When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Uh, they kind of drew that play up and, and kind of called your number on that. What were you thinking? Uh, yeah, we've been uh, working on that play all week. Um, probably got 100 throws with, with Jalen, and um, it was a good design play. We knew it was going to be wide open, and it was definitely really fun to throw the ball calling back to your high school quarterback days on that one or uh... a little bit trip down memory lane welcome into purple daily Mackie out today so it's zolgan and uh, executive producer co-host declan goff that was ryan wright the vikings punter who i owe a, a deep apology to because when he actually made the roster i was shocked Brought up a whole bunch of questions and doubt. And not only not only has he done a fantastic job with his foot punting the football, but also on Sunday completed a fourth down fake punt pass, which Declan absolutely adores. Love the fake punt. It is great. I can't argue with you it, one it's bit. It's great. So uh, that was positives. Um, KOC did, did his uh, day after press conference when the Vikings got back from London on Monday. And we're going to talk about a couple things. Kirk Cousins being one. Justin Jefferson being the second, and also today with Mackie out, Declan has gone statistical diving for some interesting stats that that he has teased and tweeted out regarding the Vikings four games in, three and one, mind you, uh, to the 2022 season. Dex, let's start with this one. Let's start with Kirk. Okay. Because um, I, I think there's a interesting conversation to be had here regarding Kirk. And I think the conversation is where do things stand in the relationship and the evolution of Kirk Cousins in the Kevin O'Connell scheme? Now, just to backtrack a little bit, okay? I think we all said, well, hell, Kevin O'Connell was Kirk's quarterback's coach in Washington uh, at, at one point in 2000. I believe it was 16, if I'm not mistaken. And so Kirk knows this system. This system is going to be Kirk-friendly, and it's going to be a system that Kirk, who has run a lot of different schemes in his uh, pro career, is going to know and embrace immediately. I got some stats that I want to go through, but mm-hmm. also um, I think we assumed a lot, and and we heard from Kirk. If you remember in the spring, we asked Kirk about this, and Kirk's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! The system has changed a lot. It's way more in depth than people know. Um, it's going to take me some time." And so yesterday. Kevin O'Connell was asked about basically where Kirk is four games in in trying to um, in trying to run this offense the most effective that he possibly can. And here's what the Vikings head coach said. Obviously, there's some things we can really coach hard. I can coach better uh, to help him be at his best um, and, and truly start maximizing what we're going to become as an offense. But uh, to sit here at three and one and know that there's a lot uh, a lot of plays maybe that, uh, you know, we're going to be able to call back upon to to, to make those plays and be in, and score more points and all those things um, is is much easier to have that dialogue, knowing that, uh, you know, we, we have been able to win some tough-fought victories here, uh, knowing that there's a lot out in front of us as well. Now, I like that response, and he's a 1,000% right. Um, and I And I will say this for me, and I'm curious what your thought is here, okay? First of all, I know there's a large faction of football fans, and I'm guessing I'm guessing people who watch our show too, 
who dismiss quarterback wins. Like, quarterback wins, who cares what quarterback wins are? That doesn't tell you anything. It's the team that wins or loses games. Um, You know, the advanced metrics, that's what's important here. And my personal opinion is this one. A year ago, you were one and three. 2022, you're three and one. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, most importantly, you cannot tell me that Kirk Cousins didn't have a significant, significant hand under duress in ugly wins against Detroit and the Saints. Because he did. He brought them back. Like, like the my argument has always been, can Kirk lead the team down the field no matter how the team has played or he has played to win games? And he has done that. And so that's where I think just this, and I feel like this is our problem with sports now. We just dismiss things that, that we're told to d- dismiss. Pitcher wins. Okay, they might not always tell a story but you can't just say well it doesn't who cares well first of all you're there to win games so especially with with qb wins because unlike pitchers they play the entire game i am not going to dismiss the fact that kirk played a very large role the last two weeks in leading his team back in games that a year ago declan i contend they lose your thoughts yeah this is the battle i think you're now understanding with kirk cousins that can you sacrifice some individual statistics, you know, of him being basically the automatic 30 touchdown, 10 picks, 4,000 yard guy, if it means two things, if it means his statistics are sacrificed a little bit, but the team is winning. And then also, is he performing well in clutch time and in crunch situations where historically he sometimes hasn't performed as well? Now, the problem with and I talked about this with Realistic Randy in this YouTube channel yesterday. The problem with uh, um, asking and trying to project clutchness is extremely difficult. It's, it's next to impossible to predict clutchness um, outside of your name being Tom Brady, right? Or outside of Aaron Rodgers to a degree. Like it's hard to predict who can be clutch or not. Like Eli Manning had a tendency to just throw some dumb picks, right, and have horrible games. But he's known for having two miraculous playoff runs out of complete left field because he turned it on in January and he turned on some game-winning drives and it worked for him. Worked for Joe Flacco for a few years where he eventually won a Super Bowl and was a superhuman when the Bravens won in 2012. So it's hard to predict that type of performance year in and year out. Um, where you where before with Kirk, you knew what the statistics you were always going to get. We've known that now for about eight years. That's enough of a sample size to know, hey, here's what we've gotten from Kirk Cousins. He's good for 30-plus touchdowns. He's good for only about 10 picks. He completes near 70% of his passes. His quarterback rating is always near 100. But his teams are like 500, sometimes below. And he also has a knack for not showing up in primetime and big spotlight games. And is Kirk Cousins actually really that good? That's the question people have been asking. No matter how, if you want to rank the quarterbacks of where, well, he's actually like the 11th best, or he's the 15th best. Actually, I think he's the 6th best. You know, we can have those debates. Uh, but right now what the Vikings are learning is, all right, we can sacrifice some of the statistics if it means he can show up in big games. And that's where I can sacrifice some of those statistics yeah. if it means the Vikings are winning games in clutch time, which they've done now in back-to-back games. And I think the question here, and and there are going to be some uh, Cousins Crusaders that aren't going to like what I'm about to say, surprise, surprise, but I do think it's a part of the conversation. And I'm pretty sure this this conversation has been held, Declan, internally at TCO a performance center once or twice or 15 times, okay? Um, first of all, when I say, well, Kirk's brought the team back, the Crusaders are going to say, well, he did it against the Cardinals last year, and Joseph missed the damn field goal. And you're right about that, okay? But let's go back to 2020, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you what I perceived to be a far too often Kirk problem. And I have saw recently in the last two years, he has definitely been more clutch. Credit to him. But do you remember the game... I think it was 2020. Um, it was a home game. It might have been early in the season. And the Vikings were, the Vikings got the ball back late. I think it was week two against the Titans, in fact. Vikings got the ball back late. And Kirk freaked out. Like, Kirk, they never had a chance. And yes, Kirk had some pressure. But guess what? You're going to have pressure. That's going to happen. That's this league. Um, and that was the type of thing where it was like, clearly nobody put a governor on Kirk. Kirk needs 
a governor. I'm not being a smartass when I say that he needs to be puppeteered. That doesn't mean he's not a really good puppet. He is a really nice high-end puppet. But Kevin O'Connell, the question is, does he have the ability? And I think he does, and I think it's growing, and I don't think he's completely pleased yet. But, you know, if you look at those two drives in the last two weeks by Kirk, I didn't see that panic. I didn't see, and I've seen it in games, but I didn't see it in those drives. And so this, again, goes back to the working relationship between quarterback-friendly, offensive-savvy coach and quarterback who has assets and can really make nice plays, but to your point, is not necessarily Brady or Rodgers or a great one. But let me give you the comparison stats here, okay? From 2021, first four games, to 2022, Kirk Cousins. And keep in mind, 2021, one and three. Three one-score defeats. 2022, three and one. Last two games, basically Kirk has played a key role fourth quarter in guiding a game-winning drive. 2021, completions, 108 through four games. This year, 99. That's cool. Attempts, 157. The exact same both years. Mm -hmm. The yardage is down, 1,121 yards. Uh last year 1031 this year the touchdowns are down nine last year six this year the interceptions are up from one to four the completion percentage is going back to going back to kirk's first year here 2018 four games in declan the completion percentage is the worst of kirk cousins career four games in as a viking 63.1 last year four games in again one and three 68.8. The passer rating is a career low as a Viking four games in. 84.1, which is certainly not great. Last year at this time, 105.6. Sacks are the same. The yards gained per pass attempt is, since 2018, first year here, his lowest, 6.6 to 7.1. And you know what I say to this? I don't care. They're winning games. (laughs) They are winning games. And so this is where I feel like prior to this, it was always about, well, look at Kirk's stats. Kirk's fine. Kirk's. This is where I care about quarterback wins. I would much prefer that Kirk Cousins pulls the game out of the fire on the final drive or one of the last couple drives of the fourth quarter then puts up stats. His stats flat out right now aren't that great. Mm-mm. I'm not sure about you. Yeah, they're not good. I don't give it. I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn. And and I think O'Connell, if you listen to his responses, wants a lot more. But as he said, it's easier to demand more and try to get more when you've won three or four games as opposed to a year ago when you've lost three or four games. You know, I put out a graphic on the Score North Twitter account, which, of course, uh, everyone is not uh, taking very kindly all the time. But I, I said Kirk Cousins threw four games this season, 84.1 passer rating, six touchdowns, four picks, uh, 63.1% completion percentage, and two fourth-quarter comebacks. I put two fourth-quarter comebacks in that graphic because it's Huge. it's important. It's, no, it's important to note. And, of course, I get some of the notes, of, oh, you don't put the team record in there. So so here's the issue that that I I love to, to talk about here. I'm I'm asking for a report card grade of Kirk Cousins through four games that he has helped the Vikings win three of those first four games. Now I will say the common grade so far from most people is about a B minus. If and just a quick little assessment about a B minus from Kirk uh, through through the first four games, I would probably give it the same. I would give it a B or a B minus. He hasn't been an A A quarterback so far, but he nope. has held the clutch gene that he usually has historically lacked. Um, I know last year he held some fourth-quarter comebacks and game-winning yes. drives where his where the kicker missed a field goal or there was a missed call at the end with, with a bad fumble against Cincinnati, whatever. But regardless, the team wins. The team has won the three of their first four games this season with him doing that. He deserves applause for that. There's been numerous times where he's gone out there, gone three and out or done checkdowns or isn't afraid or is too afraid to push the ball down the field. And so far... He has helped the Vikings get to 3-1, and one, and that deserves credit. I really don't care about the 35 touchdowns and his DVOA being this, this, and that, or his PFF grade being this, this, and that. Right now, he is paid to be the franchise-leading quarterback. 
He's played to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he has the Vikings at 3-1. and one. So I, I, the 35 touchdowns, I don't care if he finishes with 35 or 22 if the Vikings are 11-5 and five by the end of the year and are hosting a playoff game. So th- yes. this is good. This is good. And also, the best part about this is there is still a significant room to grow with him statistically and with this offense as a whole. I'm, I'm going to bring up some statistics here later on in the show that I found very interesting so far through the season that I think the Vikings should be potentially using more of going forward. But right now, the Vikings are 3-1, and one, and Kirk, even though statistically isn't playing great, his team is winning, and I'm a fan of it. That's fine with me. Yes, and this is what an offensive coach that works with Kirk can do. This is what you can get. And, and look, I flat out have said this. I do not think the Vikings are a given by any means to win the last two games with the previous regime here. Um, and Kirk has done a nice job when it matters. So I just, I think the whole thing, and I think the thing is going to play out. And I think it's going to, I think O'Connell needs a year to decide here. Um, can to be, Basically, can I get Kirk Cousins to a point where I want him as my, my guy? And if I can't, you know what? By 2024, there will be a different QB here. Um, and I don't think O'Connell ever said, hey, Kirk's my guy for five years. I think O'Connell said, I can work with him. And so far, he's done that. And the fact that his personal stats aren't great, to me, is absolutely fine. And you know what I, I also don't need? I don't need Kirk Tober. Play good, solid football, win games, but I don't need him now going off. Um, so, yes, I think that this is a work in progress. I think it's far from honed, and I think it's incredibly intriguing to watch play out. But, uh, yeah, Kirk Cousins, statistically, not great. I think we can both say this. We don't give a damn. Okay. We don't give a damn. Okay, topic two, Justin Jefferson. But before we get there, want to, uh, of course, thank our friends who sponsor the show. First of all, TCL. Enjoy more with a TCL television. If you are going to watch the Vikings, make sure it's on a TCL. And also by our friends at Surly Surly Brewing and Declan Goff. Declan Goff, there is an exciting event coming up on October 16th. Yeah. Vikings-Dolphins in Miami that day at noon. We will not be near Miami or South Beach. We will be at Surly Brewing with you watching... That game, and, and it, uh, it'll be just like our, our draft party. It'll be great fun. We invite you all to come out, enjoy some Before I Dies, Furiouses, Logic Bombs. As Dex says, a ton of beers there that, that are only at the brewery, exclusive there. Uh, Post game, after we watch the game with you, we'll do Ventline. We'll actually have it set up. So if you want to uh, grab a mic and yep. join us to comment, you can October 16th and then another viewing party for the noon kickoff against Washington at November 6th. Make your plans now to uh, join us at the brew hall. It will be uh, a live vet line. We're taking the show on the road at least twice. Declan Goff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, the draft party was so much fun. Excited to talk purple with a bunch of other Vikings fans. Watch the game. Uh, it's going to be an absolute blast. Don't try to out drink Judd and don't get Judd too drunk. We can't be affording uh, a drunk no, Judd Zolgat on stage. Uh, but if no. you'd like to get it, you know, a little tuned up a little bit too, you can grab a microphone, keep it clean. Uh, but we're, we're so excited to be at Surly again. We love hanging out with you guys. Draft party is going to be an absolute blast. Uh, I will also say uh, maybe because it's spooky season, Judd, it's spooky season. Yes, it's October. You might want to check out the newest haunted attraction in the Twin Cities. Nowhere Haunted House, an all-indoor haunted attraction in Invergrove Heights. They have their weekend attraction, a daytime low-scare option for those more daring thrill-seekers with insomnia. <laughs> it's an 18-plus event now. Okay, so this isn't necessarily for kids. You do have to sign a waiver to go. So if you want to get if you want to get really into the spooky season, go to nowherehauntedhouse.com. Buy your tickets now. Nowhere Haunted House. Embrace that spooky season. Go check them out. All right, sounds good. All right, uh, topic two on today's PD, Justin Jefferson. Kevin O'Connell asked about uh, the work that he has done with Justin Jefferson as uh, as J.J. had a great opening game against the Packers and then had two games where he wasn't statistically as successful and then, of course, came back on Sunday and had a big day. Kevin O'Connell gave a very interesting answer in talking about Justin Jefferson. Uh, to set the standard of, hey, I know that maybe statistically 
uh, I'm frustrated, but I know how I'm impacting the game to let uh, Adam and, and KJ and Irv and these guys have one-on-one -on -one significant opportunities to either make uh, big-time plays or draw penalties by eating up coverage like he did yesterday. Um, and I just think that to come through that and then have a 10 for 147 in his first career rushing touchdown, um, you know, I, I, I just think it, it, it bodes really, really well for our team and our offense moving forward. All right. I love that. And, and O'Connell gave a pretty, as he's wont to do, lengthy answer about Jefferson's progress and about where things stand. And Dex, here's the thing that I loved the absolute most. And this sounds like common sense, and it sounds like it should happen all the time. And I flat out can tell you it does not. Um, if Justin Jefferson, in fact, you know what? Let's substitute Justin Jefferson's name with Stefan Diggs. When, not if, when Stefan Diggs was frustrated here, right? And we know for a fact that he was he was frustrated by the scheme. So it was not like, I hate cousins. It was far more of a, what are you guys doing? Like, why are we not throwing more? It's pretty clear he was told, you know what, Stefan? Walk out of the room, close the door. We'll tell you when we have something to tell you, right? Yep. And he got frustrated, and, and he was a great player. And he eventually forced a trade because the Vikings were very, very set and probably a fair term, close-minded about what they were going to do. And they were going to run the ball, and Stefan Diggs was going to get the damn football when they decided and nothing else. It is O'Connell, and this is, I love this, because that first game against Packers, Jefferson was fantastic. And then the second game, Jefferson, frustrated, got shut down. Darius Slade did a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. The Vikings tried to get him the ball. It didn't work. The next game against Detroit, they actually, I think, only targeted him like six times, which is ridiculously low. The point being is, what did Kevin O'Connell do? He worked with Jefferson. He consulted. He talked to him. Does that mean that he said, I promise you this or that? I'm sure it does absolutely not. But he made Jefferson feel part of the process. Yep. And I would love to know the last Vikings player, Dex, who felt part of the process. Because a lot of people in this league say, we will make the decision about what part of the process you will play, and then we'll tell you, and on Sunday, you go do your job. I love this, and I absolutely love the fact, and I think it's going to be huge here, that if Jefferson has a good or bad day, he's not going to feel like an employee who is just told to go to work. He's going to feel like somebody who was embraced, taken in, and then allowed to at least have a say. This is, to me, especially for a player like this, an absolutely huge step from the previous regime to this one. Yeah, this is where Justin Jefferson um, is going to get figured out a little bit sometimes. Teams are going to now key in on him a little bit more. It's actually, in my opinion, remarkable that it took about 35 games into his NFL career to, to, for teams to realize, we should just double him. Why aren't we doubling him? Um, and now Jefferson gets taken away a little bit. Now you have guys like KJ Osborne, Adam Thielen getting able to step up for it after their little bit of a slow start to the season. Um, you still have to funnel things through JJ, and and they are. I mean, he's still third in receiving yards in the NFC right now. He's averaging 14 yards per catch. He hauls in and pulls off his Allen Iverson moment basically on his Instagram page yesterday of, of stepping over Lattimore just like AI stepped over Ty Lue in the finals. Um, he, he's a superstar player, but now... The book is out on him. This is what happens in sports. The book is out on him, and how can you adjust? And good for Kevin O'Connell to still figure out ways of, all right, we went back-to-back -back games with our best playmaker being taken away from us. It won't be a third straight game. And there wasn't, there wasn't a stubbornness of, well, we'll just figure it out. And I think in past regimes, that would have been the answer. We'll just figure it out. There's no way he will. And Kevin O'Connell figured out ways to get Justin Jefferson the football against the Saints, and then even Kirk targeting him with, obviously, again, that deep throw at the end of the game. That was a dagger moment. That that was, uh, hey, I'm going to run a go route. Throw me the damn ball. Um, and Justin Jefferson was frustrated already in that game. You know, he wanted the ball in the corner of the end zone. Kirk didn't throw it. But he's a he's a baller, man. He wants the, he wants to have the moments that that every other great wide receiver does. Um, and yeah, you don't want this to turn into a Stefan Diggs situation where, you know, I think the misconception with Diggs was, well, Diggs didn't like Kirk. No, Diggs had no problem with Kirk. And in fact. Listen to his interview on Dan Levitard last week. He loves Kirk Cousins. He has no problem with Kirk. It was it was the scheme and the way the coaching staff was basically orchestrating their offense that he said, I, this doesn't feel right to me. 
And he obviously made his point clear. Did he go about it in the best way? Probably not. But now look at him thrive in Buffalo. And now the Vikings also get Justin Jefferson because they traded Stefan Diggs. So it all works out in the long run, but you have to figure out ways to keep Jefferson involved. I think the bigger question going forward is if Justin Jefferson is taken away as a Vikings offense, you had the playmakers to make up for it, but you can't just go into a fetal position and say, well, we tried. Justin Jefferson got taken away. It's how do you adjust to that if he is double covered and you can't get him the football? Yeah, and so j- just to compare, again, uh, 2021 uh, first four games for Jefferson to 2022 targets. 2021, thir- 37. 2022, 42. Receptions, 26 a year ago, 28 now. Yards, 338 a year ago, 393 now. Yards per catch, 13, now 14. Touchdowns are actually down by one from three uh, to two. The point being is, we're not talking here about a huge uh, seismic shift in his statistical production. What we're talking about is an incorporation of him. And the other thing that the Vikings did on Sunday that they absolutely was smart was what? The Saints said, we are going to to take our Pro Bowl corner and single cover you. And the Vikings said, okay, cool. That's going to give us a chance to incorporate Jefferson more. And they did. It's the common sense. It's the the previous... Vikings offensive schemes, I thought, problematically, were far too rigid. We run the football, and that's what we do. Okay, that's great, but do you adjust? Not really. Now, they they do. I just find it to be very intriguing that Kirk's stats are actually down. Yep. And, and some of the stats are not good. And Jefferson's stats are pretty flat, but the perception and the feeling about the team you know, in large part because they are three and one, but also because of the ability of the coaching staff and the offensive staff, especially to incorporate the players to make them feel part of the process and to have them actually help you. And that to me is a huge step. And if you go back to X and watch this too, in, in the Saints game, there are throws as far as Kirk goes, there are 100% throws that he needs to be making at times that he's still not. So like if we're talking about room for growth or room for it's there for sure. Um, So this is by no means even close to being right now, offensively a finished product, but what it is, is it's a product that can morph and change and be open to change. And I think that is just so huge. And I do love the fact that Justin Jefferson is being included in the solutions, because I don't feel like anybody, especially a guy like Stefan Diggs a couple of years ago, was ever included as part of the solution. Yeah, those, that's important. Keep your superstars happy, man. It, it's the most important thing. You can't alienate your superstars. I understand it's a team game and everyone needs the football here and there and there are situations that dictate that. Um, yeah. But you, you, you got to keep your, your playmakers happy and your superstars happy. Speaking of that, sir, what, what makes you... When mm-hmm. when you're getting dressed, when you're getting dressed, oh, yeah. when you wake up and you and and you're getting dressed, what makes Declan Goff the happiest each morning? Uh, outside of my, of course, my sweet dog Vinny, uh, who I had to take out oh, to in the morning you. yesterday because uh, someone had oh, to use the bathroom. Um, well, happens. When I wake up, I throw on my pair of chill boys. I throw on uh, I throw on my bamboo fabric and I start my day. You know, um, you know, some days it calls for the performance brand. Some days it calls for the bamboo fabric. Now that we're getting into fall and we're getting closer to the winter time, maybe the long underwear options as well. You know, even yesterday as I was uh, as I came home from work, I threw on the chill boys T-shirt. They now just don't have underwear. They have T-shirts and hoodies. Yeah, they're, it's they're it's nice. the softest T-shirt I own. My girlfriend yeah. wants to steal the hoodie. I said, nope, this is my hoodie. You do not get no, to take this right. hoodie. This one's mine. If you want one, you can go buy one. Score15.com for 15% off your order. Yes, I love my Chill Boys. I love that they've also expanded just outside of underwear, which is the most comfortable on the planet. Yes, Chill Boys, use promo code SCORE15, and they will knock off 15% off your order. And socks as well, too. Which socks are, are good. Comfortable, uh, which are very, very comfortable and and guess what my chill boys now because i love them right yeah they they fit pretty well and here's why because about a a year ago now i started on the 
Livia Weight Control Center plan. Uh, I dropped 40 pounds. Best part is I'm keeping that weight off. Dawn has joined me. She's down, I think, 16 plus pounds now. Guess what, folks? This works. And right now, if you join, you'll receive your first eight weeks for free. That's right. Imagine all the weight that you can drop in your first eight weeks. The new Flex program, it lets you enjoy the food you love. It lets you enjoy fruit, pasta, and even bread. And the best part about it is once the the, uh, weight is gone, it stays off. 855-GO-LIVIA, Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. That is your ticket to dropping those unwanted pounds. All right, Declan Goff, you, Mm -hmm. with Phil out, have dug up some interesting stats about the Vikings offense four games in. The floor is yours. All right, so I I wanted to, you know, keep this theme going of key offensive statistics that we like to do. Obviously, Phil will do his state of the offense episode on Thursday, but I figured uh, let me let me put on my my nerdy uh, football loving self. Let me go find some uh, some statistics Get here. So, Judd, I went over to NFLGSIS.com, a great little media website for, for us uh, press box brethren. They, they provide it in the press box. I don't know if it's uh, available for everyone. Um, it might not be, but it has some great little uh, play propensity. I said, yeah, play propensity football splits on Vikings offense and defense. So I, I do want to focus on the offense here. And let's uh, let's start with this one here, because this was going to be a, a big thing going forward uh, from last year compared to this year. So we knew Mike Zimmer loved, love, love, love to run the football, right? Love to run the yes. football, establish the run, play good defense, manage the clock, blah, blah. And Kevin O'Connell said, we're taking the Rams offense and we're going to bring it over here to a degree. So I was curious. All right. On first and 10, what is the splits? What were the splits last year? How many times? Did the Vikings run versus how many times did they pass? So, so far this season, the Vikings on first and 10 are passing 58% of the time. So on first and 10, they are passing the ball 58% of the time. You can do the math uh, that it's 58.1 and then the rushing percentage is 41%. So uh, a pretty big difference there. 58% of the time on first and 10, they will pass the ball. Last year, under Mike Zimmer, in this same situation, the play propensity. Football. The Vikings were passing just 52% of the time and running 47% of the time. So basically, they, and you might say, well, that's only 78%. That is a large chunk. And we have a smaller sample size here, four games versus 16. But that, that tells you right there that the Vikings are more open to passing on first and 10. They don't have to be predictable and handing the ball off and then going from there. Kevin O'Connell making a, making making do on his promise that this team is going to pass the football more. 58% of first down and 10 plays, Judd, are resulting in passing plays. Do you by chance have what the Vikings' average second down distance is now? Uh, I don't have that on the top, uh, uh, on this side right now. I don't have sure. the average to go. I'd be curious if they're cutting that that down because I I mean the frustration was ultimately what second and 12 right mm-hmm. and then they'd run again and it'd be third and nine and then they'd punt so I I would be curious if this is um if this is getting them to a better place potentially of you know second and six or something like that right yeah the, so far um um don't have the distance on the on the yards to go so far and, sure. and and I'll even compare some of the statistics later on to the NFL league average through four games with the Vikings offense. Nice. Um but another interesting one here is uh formation usage. Football. Oh wow. <laughs> so the 2022 Vikings on first and 10. I'm again I'm gonna, we're going to do all on first and 10 here for for most of these statistics. I'm curious how Vikings offense are setting up uh, versus this time last year. So I like it. when the Vikings are on first and 10, and they have three wide receivers on the field, and by the way, they have done that 75% of the time, or 75 plays, excuse me, 75 plays on first and 10 this season with three wide receivers on the field. How many, how many yards are they gaining? The Vikings are averaging eight yards per game on first and 10 when they have three wide receivers out on the football field. That is the fifth best rank in the entire NFL. I don't, I don't know the four teams in front of us, but the fifth best rank when they had first and 10 and you spread them out, right? Three wide receivers out. You'll take that in a second. Every time. Absolutely. Now, when they again kind of go back to that conservative nature on first and 10 with a couple wide receivers, uh, one tight end on the field, they're averaging about four yards per play, which is 16th 
in the NFL. Right down the middle, it's average, it's predictable. But when they have decided to put three wide receivers on first and ten, they're averaging almost a first down a game at eight yards, and it's the fifth best rank in the entire wow. NFL. So you are telling me that when they deploy 11 <laughs> personnel, when you go 11 personnel, you're in great shape. Yes. They should be. Okay. The 11 personnel is... That's is, really impressive. Yes. That is really, that's a great stat because that tells, that tells a story of, I think, reversing the frustrations of 2021, right? Yes. Eight yards is a... That's a nice chunk. And again, guess what it gets you? It gets you in a manageable down and distance very quickly. Nothing more frustrating than second and 12. No, there so is not. That's a great one. All right, so this next one here, um, I was curious how many players have the Vikings used on offense this year? Now, um, they've they've been pretty healthy, which is knock on wood. They have been a very healthy team. But, you know, Kevin O'Connell's yes. buzzword on that press conference, his opening press conference he was hired, was the illusion of complexity. So how can we maybe scheme other guys that, that weren't open before, weren't being utilized before? How can we get them involved? So, so yep. far... Of all the teams that have used the majority of the most players on their offense, the most players that have taken snaps, and again, injuries factor into this, schemes factor into this, it's not just a black and white uh, thing. The Rams have used 32 different players on offense this season in the NFL. That is the most in the league. Now, they, they again, lost some offensive linemen yesterday. They were dropping like flies again. But 32 players have taken a snap on offense. That includes linemen. That includes quarterback. That includes playmakers. So everyone on offense, 32 players have taken a snap for the Rams on offense, that's the most in the NFL. Sure. The Vikings this season have used just 18 players on offense, which is actually the lowest in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers are second with 19, um, which, again, I, I don't think that this is a bad thing that they've only used 18 players because, again, the injury factor, I think, plays a factor here. But the illusion of complexity it's been mostly the same offense that you've seen. The most players and personnel and everyone else, the formations, it's been, that's been a little different, but the players that have been utilized in those formations are all the same players for the most part. Just 18 players have taken snaps on offense for the Vikings. Right. Well, I think in fairness, the illusion of complexity um, is just basically the looks that you're presenting and, and trying to move guys around and create confusion on the defensive side of the ball. And that can be done with the same personnel um, being used, you might change the groupings at times, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that is in intriguing. And so, yes, offensive line-wise, the Vikings have been four games in, very fortunate. Because, yeah, I think the Rams are didn't, – didn't the Rams get down to, like, their third uh, uh, player at center last night? Yeah, rough. Allen was out. The backup was in. I think he got hurt. I'm not positive about that. But anyway, so, yes – uh, the Rams' injury problems are a major issue for them. But that being said, I think that in some ways, Dex, you know, Zimmer in training camp last year, or I think it was before, told Joe Schmidt of Channel 5, he said, I think Joe asked about the roster. And I think Mike said, you know, I really like my like top 28 players. Or to, and his point was our depth is not good. And I wonder if we are still talking, because you can't fix that in one year. I wonder if there is still way more to be done depth-wise, Declan. Like, mm. I, I wonder if your point with that stat, which is, which is a stat that uh, clearly is intriguing and can cause uh, plenty of conversation, I wonder if at least a little part of that is that they don't have that second layer of guys yet that they completely trust. I mean, that's my old, outside of the fact that that um, on offense, fortunately, they've been pretty healthy. Yep. That's my only other thought of what might be potential. An issue is that they don't have that depth yet there completely. I, do, I don't think it's terrible, but I also probably don't think it's ideal yet because it's going to take them some time. All right. Uh, one, one more here that I wanted to notice. I want to notice what the Vikings offense is doing compared to league average in the NFL. So I'll, I'm just going to yep. run through some traditional categories versus league average. Um, so right now the Vikings offense is essentially yards wise, exactly the average. The Vikings are averaging 344 yards per game. The NFL is averaging 344 yards per game. So it's dead even. Okay. It's been an average yards per game offense, uh, points per game. Again, almost dead even, uh, 21.5 points a game for the Vikings. So far, the league is averaging itself 21.9. 
So again, about, a, about, a, about an average offense here. But there's a few things of offensive statistics here that I think are trending in the right direction. And, and again, areas where Kevin O'Connell is trying to change from an old scheme and an old Cogger type of type of mindset. Um, the Vikings are averaging 246 passing yards per game. The NFL yeah. league average is 228. So they're averaging about 18 more passing yards per game. And that, that might only, that might seem not that much, but that's, that's a significant upgrade. That's, that's 20 extra yards that you're gaining through the air essentially on offense compared to the league average team, which is important. First yep. downs per game. The Vikings are averaging 23. The league is averaging 20. So the Vikings offense has still been able to march to first downs. Now penalties, I believe, factor in here. So automatic first downs do still, I believe, count in that category. So that there is a little bit of a, of a backdoor there that they've gotten first downs because of penalties that have happened. But again, a, a, a trend, in my opinion, in, in the right direction with the Vikings offense. So has it been perfect so far? Has it been maybe top five and top ten like we want it to be? Not yet, but the ways that they're changing the offense with the play propensity. As I can, there we go. And making a more effort to pass the ball down the field and under Kevin O'Connell, that that hypothesis is still playing out, and it is still trending in the right direction that they do want to air the ball out more than they did under Mike Zimmer. Yes, and I sense that O'Connell definitely wants more, and rightfully so, thinks that there's more from Kirk as far as that passing game goes. Yeah. So yeah, and but but I told you this Monday, I'm legitimately somewhat concerned that the defense, which by the way is not terrible, but I don't I don't know if there's like a ton of growth there. I just have no clue. Yeah. Offensively, I watch that and say there's a ton of growth here. And, and if if Kirk's the, the guy, that's awesome. If he's not this off, I still think, as Brad Childress said when Kevin Seifert asked him after that debacle in Green Bay late in the 2006 campaign, something about, is this offense as good as you thought? And Brad said, it's a kick-ass offense. And we joked kick-ass about offense. that for years. I think this is a kick-ass offensive scheme. I do. Yep. I think that this has the potential. I I would say this. The defense, I have no clue, and it might just be what it is. The offense, if it does not show substantial growth here, I will be very surprised. Yeah. Really surprised. Um, and it's not bad now, but I feel like if if we're talking about uh potential gears decks, I feel like if this is second gear, this thing can go up to at least five. Yeah. Don't you? Yes, I do. I, I think that's the most intriguing part, that it can actually be um, an offense that, that can live up to its potential. And if, and if it continues to grow like the way it is and the way they're utilizing these three wide receiver sets and whatnot and not running the football just to do it, it is a, uh, it, it is a good sign. One more here, actually, Judd. One more here as, as I look down I on, on first down play propensity. Football. On first and ten passes. The 2022 Vikings have gained 535 yards this season. That is the most in the NFL. No other team has passed for more yards on first and 10 than the 2022 Vikings. Again, can't see the full 2 through 32 list of teams below them, uh, but they do put in league parentheses their rank uh, next to each of these statistics. And on first and 10 and more, 535 yards, that is the most in the NFL this season. They have had... 61 plays in that in those situations a lot of first down a lot of first downs uh, success yes a lot of first down success right. but yeah That's those are great. those are my uh my my nerdy statistics here as i try to play those are great stats. those are great great stats uh before we're done let's go through quickly the pff grades that stood out from the viking saints game decks because there's one there's two interesting themes here okay okay the one offensive line so the only guy who wasn't in the top or bottom, the top five or bottom three, PFF grade-wise offensive line Vikings versus the Saints, is Brian O'Neill. At the top, number one offensively, Declan Goff, Christian Derrissaw, who, by the way, is turning into a hell of a left tackle, yeah. which is absolutely key, 75.3 grade. That led the entire offense in grades. Um, number two? Somewhat of a surprise. Ed Ingram, number two overall offensively, 70.2 mm. grade. Okay. 
the, the next three guys after Ingram were Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins. Now let's get to the bottom three. The worst player, and this is probably because of one play in particular, not surprisingly, the worst offensive player graded by PFF, my guy, Johnny Munt, 28.2. Don't have the football, go through your hands, catch the pass, you're probably not not uh, the, the worst graded player. Number two among the worst grades offensively, Declan, Garrett Bradbury, 45.8. So step back for him. Hmm. Number three, Ezra Cleveland, 49.7. So again, the only player from the offensive line who didn't earn either a top five or bottom three grade was O'Neal. Derrissaw and, and Ingram, according to PFF, were outstanding. Bradbury and Cleveland were bad. I find that to be very intriguing. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, you know, I, I obviously Brian O'Neill, who had a little bit of a rough game against the Saints, that's for sure. I mean, he he was he came that's into the I game graded as you know one of the best, right, the best right tackle essentially in the NFL in terms of pass blocking win rate. You know, yep. Saints got a good D line, so I'm not too shocked that they were able to push him around a little bit. But in yep. general, I mean, the Vikings' offensive line has has held up its part of the bargain. Um, last, you know, obviously against the Saints, they finally saw a, a legitimate front where pressure was in Kirk's face more. But uh, yeah, a little surprising that Ed Ingram has actually still been grading better than we think. He's been the weakest link on that line so far. And I know you have, you were more bullish on Ezra Cleveland than I probably was. I, I wouldn't say that I wasn't expecting to be just a slappy, but I think he's mostly just a guy on the line. But man, those interior spots, you, you can't really take them for granted either. Like I, I understand why, Ezra, why you believe in Ezra Cleveland and why the Vikings are banking that Ezra Cleveland was going to be a solid guard next up here at Bradbury as well. Yeah, and and... In Garrett's case, I am still curious here. Like, I'm not sold yet by any means. It's four games in. He's been up until the Saints game better. But that's that's one where I still think the Vikings will do this and that they need to. I think you need to go out for 2023 upgrade there. I think he's done here. All right, defensively, PFF, your top five. Uh, Tomlinson was great, 89.8, highest grade. Uh, Dantzler, Lynch, Pat P, who actually played a really good, good game as well. Harrison Phillips at 69.6, number five. Your bottom three, and I want to get to the third guy because I think that there's an intriguing storyline here. Your bottom three, your worst player, Cam Bynum, 45.6. Your second worst, this is interesting, Harrison Smith, 48.4. This is a couple of very, for him, very clunkerish games. But number three is the one that gets me. Because for the second consecutive week, if I'm not mistaken, Jordan Hicks is one of your biggest liabilities, according to PFF, on defense, a 53.2 grade. I wonder. So Kendricks, I think, is great, grading out fine. Like, I don't think he's great, but he's also mixed plays. Uh, Declan, I wonder what the patience on Jordan Hicks is. He was brought in, veteran player. But Die and Asamoa, and Die right now is clearly on the depth chart, um, their choice before uh, Asamoa's. But I wonder if Jordan Hicks' job at some point in time, like post-bye week, could be in trouble. Because if teams value these grades as much as we think they potentially do, um, for a veteran guy brought in for basically a year, that's got to be considered a concerning a concerning grade if that's going to be the constant, especially when that position you're trying to get speed, and the Vikings clearly have guys who aren't playing at linebacker who could bring more speed. Yeah, you know he's racking up a ton of tackles, which is great. Um, you know, someone's got to make the tackles, but but exactly. he he, he exactly. hasn't well put. He hasn't necessarily like been super impressive by any means. I mean, I think he I think he led the Cardinals in tackles last year. It was close, but to that's it. a linebacker stat. Yes, but like I mean, that means nothing. Correct, because you're you're right. Somebody has to tackle a guy. Yeah. So like like that, I think that there there used to be a premium way more so put on that stat, but yeah, tackles. Okay, great. But I think for what this de- what this defense is trying to achieve, and they're definitely going to start to dissect it a bit, I wonder if Jordan Hicks ultimately is going to be considered, you know, to a certain point at least, a liability, and that, you know, a guy like Dai or ultimately Asamoah could step in. 
and give you more speed because they clearly aren't trying to find big guys. They, I think what they want is speed there. Yep. Uh, but but if Jordan Hicks is going to continue to grade out um, in the bottom three, I, I could see them, if not parting company, mm-hmm. definitely making a starter change at linebacker. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of fans are basically asking for Brian Osamoa to, to get more playing time, and, and rightfully so. I, I think he's, for the most part, pretty much earned it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if they end up making those adjustments. So far, Ed Donatell has you know, just relied on this shell coverage. You know, a lot of these defensive coordinators just get set in their ways, less with the cover two, you know, Mike with his ways as well. They just kind of get set, and we're going to run this scheme. We're going to keep this scheme intact. Right, we're but- not going to change it. But I do think if you're not going to change yeah. the scheme, Judd, then you have to probably plug in a different personnel. Like, if you're not going to change the scheme... That's what I was going to say. Plug in someone else, then. Well, and O'Connell's not going to watch this, right? And and say, oh, Ed, you just do you. <laughs> I, I would think at some point he'd say, dude, the wins and losses go under my name. Yep. So, so like, because, yes, I'm I'm not expecting Donatel to change the scheme, but I am expecting him to look at those who play within the scheme, personnel-wise, and aren't effective and say, we might make a change there. And I got to think that the head coach is going to eventually say, Ed, let's try something, you know, let's make a a tweak here or there to try to change things. So, PFF grades, Hicks bad, Tomlinson good, Derrissaw great. And Bradbury and Cleveland at the bottom. So that's what I got for you. Interesting. All right. All good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this play propensity thing and all other stuff. We'll see if old Mackadack maybe steals one of these. The first down stuff is good. It is really I good. I love the first down stuff because, yes, I think the first down stuff is is a great indicator of the difference in philosophy um, and putting your offense, at least potentially, in a, in a position to succeed consistently which they now need to start doing more often i love it all right man i think that's going to do it for us here on purple daily we'll have an accountability session write that down tomorrow uh plenty of stuff to get to there so hit the subscribe button daily minnesota vikings entertainment right here on this youtube channel we got realistic randy rants that's posted we have before we die with jesse pierce and thor nystrom as well hit the subscribe button daily minnesota vikings entertainment we'll be back tomorrow For nine years, a dangerous man terrorized women, breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me October 4th for Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms. Forms.